Last week I started the re-series, re, re. I have some re's that I want to share with you. Last week we talked about restarting. In the midst of all that we're facing, it's time to just restart. Just push the restart button, get going again in what appears to be an adjusted reality for us, at least for the time being. Today I want to move on from restarting to the next re from the scriptures, and that is to relate, relate. Uh, to one another. In Genesis chapter 2:18, God made this pronouncement. He said, "It is not good that man should be alone." And the context of that, of course, he's talking about uh, bringing Eve into the world so that we'd have that special marriage partnership. But at the same time, the statement remains, whether a person is married or not, or intends to be married, or wants to be married, or was married, and now isn't married, or the, 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 the bigger principle is that God said, he made us, and he said, it is not good that we should be alone. And so that's what we're talking about today. That's what we're calling into being. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another. He says, as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. Well, you cannot love somebody without having a relationship with them. You know, living in uh, transparent and authentic relationships is one of the more obvious features of the New Testament church. Has anybody been reading the Bible? Melody? You're pretty good at it. You got to that Acts thing yet? Yeah. Chapter 2? Holy Spirit, woo, big day. And then what happens next, that church description? That's the verses 42 through 47. That's the church that you and I long for, right? That's the church that you and I pray for and serve for and sacrifice for. We want to be that church in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And contained within the description of that vibrant New Testament church is this radical level of personal relationships with one another. So that they met together, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They sacrificed their possessions for one another. It just couldn't be more obvious that the plan of God for his church is that we live in transparent and authentic relationships with one another. So as we moved into the second installment of the re-series, well, I want to talk about relating and I want to just start by asking you, how are you doing? There's a lot of challenge on our relationships right now. A lot of stress, a lot of opposition on our relationships, partly because of the changes in mobility and gathering, stuff like that, but also partly just because of the general stress that's on us as a, as a people right now. So just, as I get rolling into the scripture here, can you just kind of start with a, a self-assessment? How are you doing relationally? They're never going to be perfect, so don't be too hard on yourself if that's where you're going. Paul was real good at having good relationships and then breaking up, right? <laughs> but I'm saying, as you look around your life, are you still connected? Are you still connected in authentic relationship? Lord, we invite you to come and teach us this passage. As I pray so often, Lord, no, nobody has come here to listen to me. It's you that we long for. It's you that we seek. 
I just pray that you'll use your inspired word, the Bible, to bring your Holy Spirit to breathe life into it so it would come alive to us here and in our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter, for those of you who are new, is toward the back of your Bible, way toward the back. For those of you who are on devices, you'll have to use a lot of thumb, all right? <laughs> first Peter, there are two books that Peter authored, and so the first one is called First Peter, and the second one is called Second Peter. And uh, Peter was the apostle guy. He was the, he was the Peter who was the disciple, who had the up-and-down relationship, who, who uh, demonstrated that the people that God is looking for are, are, is real people. And he said, Peter, you, you, are so, you are so authentically broken, I'm going to make you the rock of the church. <laughs> and so this is the Peter we're talking about. And this particular letter, 1 Peter, was written during a time of intense persecution of the church. Nero was a Roman leader, and uh, it's called the Neronian persecution because of that, because Nero intensely persecuted Christians just for being Christians. I, I'm aware from reading history of some of the things that he did to people, but I shudder to say them out loud. They're that evil. They're that inhuman. But he did that, and he did it to Christians. You know, he would uh, justify himself publicly by by saying that there are a number of things that warranted him to act this way toward Christians. First of all, he said that Christians were atheists. He said Christians were atheists. The reason he said that is because they wouldn't bow to the Roman gods. <laughs> so he said Christians are atheists. He said that Christians are cannibals because Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And of course, he was talking about the elements of the Lord's Supper. Nero also said that Christians were incestuous because they would say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. They were so loving and affectionate toward one another. And, but come on, in such a pure way, right? But I think the big reason that Nero persecuted the Christians, it was a throw of power against somebody that he knew wouldn't fight back. Pastor Stephen, my dear friend in India, you know, all the persecution that they have suffered as passionate, outspoken evangelical Christians in India, says that the reason the militant Hindus always attack the Christians is because they know they won't fight back. Somewhere around 2% of the population of, of 1.3 billion people are Christians in India, and they attack them because they won't fight back. They don't attack the other religious groups because they bite. But we follow one who says, someone strikes you on one cheek, turn it. Let him hit you on the other one, too. So we look at chapter 4 of 1 Peter. I've got to be careful with this thing out. Verse 4 through 7. Hey, Christian, could you fix this between services for me? Did you bring your screwdriver and everything? Got your toolbox? Good. I figured you did. Thanks. 
First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. In the midst of this letter that he wrote, it's a lot about baptism. Some people thought it was kind of a baptism sermon, but it hinges on changes on verse 7 right here, where he says, the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Could that be more relevant than right now? Hmm. You know, I realized this was written a couple thousand years ago, and he said it was near, and near is a relative term. And so how could he say the end of all things is near when the end hasn't happened yet? The end of all things is near. I think those admonitions, those exhortations in the Scripture that say the end of all things is near, or watch therefore, for you know not the hour that your Lord may come again, are, are meant to cause us to live in that reality. That this could be it. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around what's happening in the world right now and say, this could be it. But so he says, the end of all things is near. But look what he says there. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. Why? What does it say? So you can pray. What is, what is, our, what is the mandate? What is the core mandate of the Lord for his believers during the end times? But that we pray. This is the key to it, beloved, that we pray. That we pray alone, that we pray in pairs, that we pray in groups, but that we pray. He says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We're going to circle back to that in a minute. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> Are you serious? They're coming over. <laughs> Offer hospitality. Remember, this was flowing out of a people who did not even consider their own stuff to be their own. And so hospitality was a net. Well, of course, come on over. Live in our house, eat our food, because it's your house and your food. And then he goes on and he says, verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. This is surely a reference to spiritual gifts. Those of you who are new or may not have encountered this reality in the scriptures yet, that God gifts each one of us to serve him in specific ways. These are supernatural abilities that God pours into us and our gift mix is different and somewhat unique to God's calling in our circumstances. And here he says, each one should use whatever gift he has received. So whatever your gift is, is what he's talking about. To, to administer the grace of God. That when we use our spiritual gifts in service of the church and in, in proclamation to the world, we're ministering the grace of God. God is working through us. That's why he says what he says next. He says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. So as I preach, as I teach this morning, I just pray and I just am surrendered. God, you say what you want. And if anyone serves, he should serve. He should do it with, with the strength God provides. So that in all things, what? God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God is waiting to be praised by the administration of our spiritual gifts. So you got it. 
Don't let COVID-19 cause you to stop using your spiritual gifts. Just prayerfully get clever and creative about how you're going to continue to use them in this temporary time so that God will receive the glory. Let's circle back to verse 8 now and specifically look at what it says. And let's read it together. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. This is just one of many, many places in the scriptures where we're called to have these kind of authentic relationships with one another. Love each other deeply, it says. Because central to the New Testament image of being a Christian is relationships. There is no provision in the New Testament for living your Christian life in isolation. Zero. You cannot justify it. It's not about this consumer evangelism that says, well, are you saved? Okay, that's all that matters. So you said the prayer, you're all, you got your, here, here's your get out of hell free card. You're gonna need it later, all right? You're good, you do, do what you want. We are not saved into isolation. We are saved into the body of Christ. We are saved by relationship into relationship. God isn't saving me. God is saving the church. God is saving the... I am not the bride of Christ. Good thing for him, right? I am part of what he is saving and what he is perfecting. Was it critically important that I made my own personal profession of faith to come into the body of Christ? Absolutely, 100% sure. But I was not saved into isolation. I was saved into you. Look around, right? You should have shopped more carefully. <laughs> Jesus sent them out two by twos, never alone. Many, many examples throughout the scriptures of believers who had these authentic, transparent relationships. You just can't miss it. No opportunity to live this out in isolation. And yet some are trying. Some are trying. Some are, are trying to show up or connect with the Sunday experience without meaningful relationships with one another. And, and one of my great fears as we move through this time together is that some are drifting. Some are drifting away from the levels of relationship that God wants us to have. Some are cooling off. Something that was once so important is now not so important. Let's put on another burner. Well, I'll get back to that when this thing passes. We have never needed each other more than right now. We have never needed one another more than we do right now. When we're born again, we're born into one another. And here he says, above all. That's worth noting. Above all, love each other deeply. Above all. That makes it pretty high on the list, right? Above all. Above all, love each other deeply. Nothing more important than this he's saying here. 
Now, of course, you could argue, well, what about worshiping? Of course, of course, of course. But he's saying, look, right here, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. Love each other how? Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Love each other deeply. Deeply. The thing about loving each other deeply is it's, it's so remarkably cool and so terribly risky, isn't it? Right? Has anybody ever been hurt in a Christian relationship? Has anybody ever not been hurt in a Christian relationship? I know. I know. Chuck Swindoll used to call that the porcupine syndrome. The closer we got to each other, the more we jabbed each other, right? There is that side of it, and I get it. And we've all been failed, and we have all failed. But that doesn't remove this call. Above all, love each other deeply. Deeply. I want you to ponder for a minute. What, what is what, is, what would deeply even mean in your world compared to the way that you have relationship now? Just think about that for a minute. And how does love cover over a multitude of sins? That sounds like a good thing, right? Well, this could mean a number of things. I read different ideas about it, but I think at the end of the day... I think that it's a lot easier to justify sinful patterns in our lives if we're not in meaningful relationship. James 5.16, he said, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. That's a relationship, right? By the way, I have something I got to tell you. I'm so embarrassed. I'm I feel like such a schmuck. And, and your brother or your sister says, wow, so glad you brought that up. Let me tell you something ten times worse. And pray for each other, it says. So there's not like a confessor and a confessee where one is here and one is there. It says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. So a love relationship, an authentic, transparent relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ is one that covers over a multitude of sins. But I also think authentic relationship provides you to safely and productively share your true self with someone. Think about yourself. Identify yourself as your person. Jim is a self. I like this guy. Jim's a self. And Jim has a public self. You're out here, you know. Thanks for putting pants on, stuff like that, you know. Appreciate you wearing a mask. That's part of our public self right now. And it's what we do when we're in public. And there are certain realities of that that are obvious. Here we are, the public self. But there's also, in an inner level, the interpersonal self. And that's the, that's the self that isn't public to, for all y'all. It's, it's, it's interpersonal. It's relationship with some group of people who know your name and you know their name. Yeah? And you have some kind of a dynamic, a 
in common. That's part of your relationship together. And that's your interpersonal self. They can be here, they're at work, they're in the neighborhood, they're everywhere. Well, let's come in one step closer and let's think about the private self. The private self. And the private self is, you know, that part of us that's really just shared with somebody pretty close, a few people pretty close. It's private. You know, it includes struggles, but it also includes accomplishments that you don't want to boast about in public, but you can celebrate them together in private. I pray that every husband and wife certainly have a private relationship, elements of their relationship that is not spoken outside of their relationship, that it's private, right? It's private. Not just that kind of a relationship, but we can have these covenant relationships with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, where there's a small group of people, very small group of trusted believers that you know, I can be myself there. There's another layer, isn't there? That's the little guy inside, way inside the secret self. Nobody knows, do they? Nobody knows. something that you're not even sharing with your private people. It's secret. And you're the only one who knows it. Some of that's good. Some of your motivations, your core motivations for following Jesus, for being a person of prayer, for being a person of sacrifice and generosity and witness, they're, they're secret to you. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Don't do it on the street corner. He said, they're just secret to you. Some of that's good. Shh. But there's another part of that that isn't so good, right? Nobody knows. I'm getting away with it. And it's death. James says that each one is tempted when he is dragged away and by his own evil desire is enticed. And it says, this gives birth to sin eventually sin gives birth to death. Man, wouldn't it be great if, if you could just be with some people, if you had relationship with people, that there was nothing negative in the secret self, but that it was at least shared and borne by others, at least in the private self? The relationship we're calling for really demands that. It's really the essence of it, is to have that kind of relationship and we have some outstanding examples of this in our church outstanding examples some of you who have been in small groups and relationships with each other for decades now and you're tight you're close you're safe because of that we have some truly outstanding relationships and, and these are the relationships that I cherish And some don't. And some are drifting. I want to make a general, generational observation. I think we baby boomers are better at this than the rest of y'all. I think we who are hippies and living in communes and stuff like that, somehow we had an opportunity to make this a priority. 
We haven't done it well all the time, but I think it's harder. I think you poor millennials, I, don't, I try not to characterize people by this, but I just think so many relationships are here that it's so hard to get one here. We all need this. The young in the faith, you need this. You need these relationships. And listen, you mature in the faith, you need this relationship, not just for yourself. You need to do this because by not doing it, because you know, I've got, I, I got a great walk with Jesus going on. When you don't, you are keeping your treasure from someone else. So where are you on the relationship scale? You think on one end, you know, you're unhealthy isolation. That's a one. And you just think on the other end, you're in healthy, authentic relationships with transparency and trust and confidence. Just think, would you just take a, a little time and say, where am I in this? And if you say, I'm on the lower end of the scale or anywhere and I want to improve, I want to give you three things that you can do, that you should do. And the first one, guess what it is? Pray. Pray. Say, God, I, I, I want this repaired in my life. I want to be in healthy, authentic relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I want this. You know who I am. You know who I can connect with. You know who I can reconnect with. And just begin by praying. Second, show up. Show up. Show up where you can come in contact with one another. Now, we're at a disadvantage right now because even when we show up, we kind of come in and go and at a distance. So show up at a home group. Show up in situations where God can say, there's the one right there I mean for you to be brother to brother with, sister to sister with. You gotta show up. And the, the third thing is, stick out your hand. Show some intention. Some of us are more naturally wired for this, and some of you even experience anxiety and fear thinking about that. But stick out your hand. Show some intention. Christian, you want to go steady? Yeah? Okay. See how easy that was? And see how eager he was? See how humbly embarrassed he is right now? I mean, show some intention. Show some intention. Hey, you want to grab a burger? Hey, you want to go on that grocery giveaway thing? Hey, show some attention. I truly cherish the relationships that I have with other believers, and I just want to ask you if you're a healthy part of this. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to come now. There's nothing I can do here now, Lord, as I pressed into you for what we should do now. There's, I can't set up tables in the lobby so we can speed date or anything. Lord, I can't can't even serve coffee so that people could 
just have a chance to get together, Lord. So I'm just trusting you completely, Lord, to just move in our hearts and help us assess ourselves with regard to this and, and then take the next step with us, Lord. Draw us into those relationships, Lord. Repair the broken ones from behind us. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need each other. Come, Lord. Father, come. Let's worship the Lord together, Joshua.